Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our New Has Come sermon series. This series explores our identity as a follower of Jesus, how our old selves have left and the new has come. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. good-looking group out there this morning. Why don't you turn to somebody and say, hey, you're a good-looking person. Now, I just made you totally uncomfortable because you said that to someone you've never met before. So thank you for indulging me. We're we're in this series called New Has Come, and and we're talking about the truth that for people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you, you know, God doesn't see you the way the world sees you. By some of those labels you saw on the video before they were painted over and with the white paint, God doesn't see us that way. He sees us as daughters of the king, sons of the king. He sees us through what Jesus has done on the cross for us. So those, those labels no longer apply to how God sees us or how we should see ourselves. We should walk in that truth. Last week, we had an amazing speaker here last week. If you were here last week, you were really blessed. Mark DeJesus was here. He's a pastor and a teacher, and, and he really focuses on teaching about our identity in Christ. If you missed it, I would encourage you to go to the website. I would encourage you to share it with your friends. Uh, it'll just bless you. So uh, it's on our website, on our podcast. We encourage you to do so. So we're going to jump into this third week on New Has Come, and we're going to talk about, again, our identity in Christ. So if you would, just bow your heads, and I'm going to pray. Father, as we come in here today, we come knowing that you love us and your word tells us that nothing can separate us from your love in Jesus Christ. So you see us through what Jesus has done for us. You see us as forgiven and pure people. Not, la- not carrying the labels that the people give us or the world gives us, but, but you see us as beloved sons and daughters. So Lord, speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. As a kid growing up, I loved sports. I got uh, turned on to baseball pretty early in life and I you know, enjoyed a fair amount of success in Little League and, and uh, I had I'd never played football. I had a friend who played football and I used to go watch him. He was a year older than me. But, but one day, one of our neighbors who was uh, the Little League football coach in the area saw me out in the front yard playing football with my friends and I happened to be passing the football and, and he stopped by and he talked to me and my parents and, and he, he he basically recruited me to be the second-string quarterback because he needed a second-string quarterback. He had a starting quarterback, and um, Coach Jerry Stoltz was his name. And I and I remember something about uh, Coach Stoltz. I mean, I mean, I had played pickup football in, in the yard, so I knew that, but I had never played organized football. I had never worn pads and a helmet. And, and yeah, I could pass the the football, but so could everybody else on the team. But what Coach Stoltz did for me was amazing. He, he spoke into my life and encouraged me to uh, be the best that I could to, to become 
a quarterback, and, and I had never done that, and he encouraged me, and, and look, he demanded a lot from us. He worked us hard. He, he put us in shape, but he also encouraged us along the way, and look, it, it was tough love encouragement, but, but he was an amazing coach, and we had an amazing season. It was Little League football, but, but we went undefeated that whole year. We actually got to play in a bowl game against some uh, team from New Jersey, and we won the bowl game, and, and it was just an amazing thing. Just an aside, and you'll, uh, you'll enjoy this. My last name is Poff, and the team was the Poff Town Packers, uh, which is just, uh, uh, tell you that. Now, this will really throw you football fans, but our colors were black and gray like the Raiders, so it just didn't make sense at all. But, but anyway, so I fell in love. Now I had baseball, and now I had football. And then we moved. We moved to a new town. And, uh, and now it was time for high school sports. Uh, not only did we move to a new town, but I, we moved there and I got there late. Football practice had already started, but I immediately went in and said I wanted to play football. And so they told me when to sign up. And so I went in and, and, I, and I met the coach, Coach Mack. And um, I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe it was because I was from out of town. Maybe it was because I was new. Maybe it was because I was late. But Coach Mack and I never hit it off. He didn't know how to say my last name, so he called me Puffy. Um, uh, yeah, you laugh. Uh, I, I, I laughed outwardly, but it became, it became a, a, really a, a name of, uh, of really, uh, it was disheartening. Um, it, it, was, it was shameful. Uh, it, it was hurtful. And, and you know, uh, he, uh, I came in, I told him I was a quarterback, which, you know, I had one season of experience. And so uh, he made me the quarterback of the second string, rightly so. Um, but uh, truly, my, my days were spent uh, running uh, in practice against the first string defense. Um, you know, there were times uh, our, our rest of our players were, were, were second string or, or worse, like me. And there were times where I would take the ball from the hike and, and I wouldn't even get to hand it off because the second string would just pummel us, you know, and I'd be on the bottom of the pile. And, and you know, Coach Mack would be yelling and screaming at me. I mean, his, his uh, way to fire up the defense was say, hey, go get a piece of puffy. You know, he really used his name for me, uh, really, as a form of, of a put-down all the time. And I still remember this. It was probably the second or third game of the season, and, this, and the starting quarterback got hurt, and they carried him off the field, and I thought, all right, this is my time. And coach put in a wide receiver to play quarterback. I just sat on the bench. It was a tough year, but, but uh, you know, sort of, I have an optimistic kind of personality, so the eternal optimist sort of hoped things would ch change around. They didn't change around, but, you know, I had another love, and it was baseball. So uh, spring came around, and I went out for baseball, and I discovered that Coach Mack was the coach. Oh, no. Went through the whole tryout season. I was released. Played summer ball for him because I thought I would get in his good graces. Rode the pines. Next, uh, next fall, I tried out for the varsity team. You know, didn't make the varsity team. The varsity coaches cut me back to JV with Coach Mack. It was just a repeat of the year before. 
I tried out for baseball every spring in high school and Coach Mack released me every year. You know, it was a tough time because I had really loved sports and playing sports. And look, I, I gotta be honest, you know, I was, no, I was no superstar. So it's not like he just politically didn't like me. I mean, I didn't have the skills that the other players. So I need to be honest about that. But his continual put downs, his continual shames, honestly made me nervous and afraid to mess up. I can remember having a great baseball season before I moved to this new town. And I bet you every ground ball that was hit to me that, that spring first season of baseball, I bet probably 90% of them I missed. They just went flying through my legs, you know, because I was afraid to screw up. I, I was, I was, uh, I just had the, you know, the self-esteem of about that high. But, you know, the, the reality was, though, you know, I had no hopes of uh, collegiate scholarships, his speaking derisively over, divisively over me and, and putting me down constantly made me think I was a poor, less than average player. And it reflected in the way that I handled myself on the football field and the baseball field. I had zero confidence. You know, I suspect that many of you have had an experience similar, maybe not with a coach, maybe with a teacher, maybe even more maybe more personal with a, with a parent, you know, maybe with a coach, maybe even somebody, maybe a, a leader in a church, you know, someone who, who, who put you down, who cast uh, uh, an identity about you that was hurtful and was a put down constantly. You know, I'll be candid with you, you know, when I first thought about sharing that story with you about Coach Mack, I didn't want to tell you that he called me puffy because it still hurts. And I'm 54 years old. I, I, I had so far forgot about that. I, you know, I had intentionally pushed it aside, but it was like, uh, the first time I thought about it, I'm not going to say that. Now, I know that's not my identity, but there's a scar there. And, and we all have scars. We all have hurts from our past. But here's the truth. God doesn't want us to live in those negative labels, those negative things that people have said about us. Now, God also wants us to be honest about ourselves too. Look, I, I wasn't a superstar, so I, I didn't expect to start. But, you know, I had put my time in as the backup quarterback, so I did expect that when the first string quarterback got hurt, I'd go in. So we've all had those kinds of things. This morning, I want to return to the way that God sees us, and um, I want to help us understand how God sees us, who we are from Scripture to start with, and, and then I'm going to go through some uh, things on, the, on, the, uh, on an outline that you can put in your bulletin if you'd like to, but, but you know, let me explain why I believe we struggle with our identities as followers of Jesus. And I'm going to explain it to you from Scripture so, so you'll see what Scripture says about why we struggle with it and how Scripture says who we are. 
So let's go back to the beginning, back to the book of Genesis. You'll see a verse on the screen behind me from Genesis chapter two. God created humanity and he made us alive. So we read in Genesis, the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. So that's how God made man and woman. He formed us, he created us, he breathed life into us. Both physical life and spiritual life. There's something unique about the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language, the word for breath, haruach, is also the word for spirit. So when God breathed life into us, he breathed spirit into us in the beginning. So we have that capacity to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, those first people were both physically alive and spiritually alive. They were alive physically because their souls were united with their physical bodies, but they were alive spiritually because their souls were united with God. So Adam and Eve were alive physically and spiritually. But God put some limitations about their living. And let's return to Genesis chapter 2. God said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You will die. So we know that Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They ate from the tree and they experienced death. Did they die physically? No, not initially. But the physical process of dying did begin. But here's the deal. They died spiritually. And it's dramatically realized by God separating himself from them. He asked them to leave the garden, to leave the immediate presence of God. From that time on, all people who are born physically into this world as alive are born spiritually dead, separated from God. Before coming to Christ, you and I neither knew the presence of God in our life, nor did we have a knowledge of God in our lives. But this is what we learn from Scripture. The Apostle Paul says, in, uh, uh, he reminds us that before we believed, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We weren't physically dead, but we were spiritually dead because we were, we were separated from God. There was, there was something between us and God. But God wanted us to connect with him. And that's why he sent Jesus. Jesus understood this. In John 10, Jesus says this, I have come that you may have life and have it to its full, both physical life and spiritual life. I've come that you may experience the fullest expression of life that there is, the, the way you were created to be back in the garden. Physically alive and spiritually alive. Author uh, Neil Anderson points this out. 
He says, eternal life isn't something you get just when you die. He says, I recognize this by reading scripture. He says in 1 John chapter 5, it says this. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. This is what he's pointing out. Every Christian is alive in Christ right now. To be alive means that your soul is in union with God. And throughout the New Testament, you will repeatedly see the truth that you are in Christ or that Christ is in you. It is this life that gives us our essential identity, this life in Christ. I want you to see this. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes that, about this, about us. We're going to go through a couple of scriptures here from his letters. He writes for those, that those of us who believe in Christ have put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. That's how. God sees us. And in another place, he writes, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. Do you get this? Do you get this? That, that means our identity is not in the things that we normally use to define ourselves. Race. Gender, religion, culture, status. Paul said that none of these apply anymore because our identity is no longer determined by our physical heritage, nor by our social standing, nor by our racial or our gender distinctions. Our identity lies in the fact that we are all children of God and are in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, listen, I don't want to disparage your heritage. You should be grateful for your heritage, your physical heritage, your, your cultural heritage, but it's our, super, it's our spiritual heritage that supersedes that physical heritage. The, the practical significance of this essential truth can't be overstated. A, a Christian gains forgiveness, receives the Holy Spirit, puts on a new nature, and gets to go to heaven, but a Christian also is this, in terms of his or her deepest identity, Scripture says that we're saints, that we're children born of God, that we are a divine masterpiece, that we're a child of God, that we're citizens of heaven. So in Christ, we are new people. This has been our theme verse, which I'm challenging you to memorize. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. So, we're no longer products of our past. We are primarily products of Christ's work on the cross. But remember... When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we had learned to live our life independent of God. And we still struggle with that. Our identity and perception of ourselves were formed and programmed in our minds to the natural orders of the world and through our experiences in this world. That's why the, the, the moniker Puffy still messes with my head. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, 12, 
do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, let's be honest. Renewing our minds doesn't come naturally. There's no automatic delete button. I, I can't delete that memory from high school. It's there. So we have to consciously know the word of God so that we can understand who we are from God's perspective. The the most important belief is who we are as children of God because we cannot consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how we perceive ourselves. And if we do not see ourselves as God sees us, then to that degree, we suffer from a wrong identity and a poor image of who we really are. That's how God sees us. That's that's how we we have to struggle with this idea of how we see us, how we deal with the words that were spoken over us uh, meanly, harshly, uh, even abusively in our past. We have to recognize what God says about us and work not in a hard way, but, but work to accept, to own, to, to receive what God wants to speak over us as truth about us. So, so let's do a little mind-renewing work, okay? Let, let's look at what it looks like to know that since we believe in Jesus, since we are in Christ, since he is in us, that the old labels about us are gone and a new identity has come. So let me just hit a couple of things about the old that is gone, all right? Here's the first one you need to understand. The old is gone. You are not condemned. How do I know that? Because God's word tells you and me that. In Romans 8, it says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in who? In Christ Jesus. You're not condemned because you are in Christ Jesus. If you believed in him, Why are you not condemned? Again, I'll turn to God's word. In the very next verse, he says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. God sees you as a beloved. So you're no longer condemned. Those those words that were spoken over to you harshly, judgmentally, um, abusively, That's not how God sees you. He sees you as beloved. We're not condemned because our identities are in Christ. And he takes our sin and our condemnation away and sets us free. Now, let me sort of clarify something. We're talking about our identity. Your identity is who you are in Christ. It's not what you do. Mark parked on this a little bit last week if you were here. You know, your identity is, is sometimes we say, well, I, I'm a pastor. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a, I'm a son of my parents. Um, you may say, you know, you are who you are based on uh, the jobs you do, the roles you do. We're not talking about roles or jobs or actions. We're talking about your identity as who Christ sees me. And this is really helpful because you know what? God sees us as beloved children, but 
as human beings, we're imperfect and we make mistakes and we still sin. So in the big, big picture, you know, sometimes we do things that are wrong and we get in trouble for them. Sometimes we do things that are really wrong, they're against the law, and we really get in trouble. And when that happens, if you, you know, at some point you may be judged by, uh, you know, by a judge for whatever you've committed, whether it's speeding or something worse. And you will be condemned by the judge, either to pay a fine or to serve some time. And that's because of your actions, not because of who you are in Jesus. Now, I'm, look, I'm not absolving that, but what I want us to understand is that sometimes we're going to have to pay the consequences for what we do in the, in the world that we live in. But, but even then, even then, Christ forgives you and sees you as forgiven. I was at a conference this week and had, saw this amazing testimony by a man who, when he was a teenager, he was in a gang and he, he uh, murdered somebody. And in prison, he was condemned to a life sentence. In prison, he found Jesus. And he committed his life to Christ, and he committed his life to Christ to doing whatever he wanted to. And by God's grace, years and years later, he was released from his life sentence. And he told God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And now he, he's planted a church, and he's bringing people to Jesus. And it just, it's just an amazing story. Um, here's the th- second thing you need to know about the old you don't have to be ashamed you're not ashamed listen to what the prophet Isaiah said from from chapter 61 instead of your shame you will receive a double portion and instead of disgrace you will rejoice in your inheritance and so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours now this is an amazing scripture if you go back to the beginning of it these are some of the very words that Jesus used to announce his ministry on earth and and it ticked people off but what he was doing was claiming the truth of God's word that was being fulfilled through him and then if you go through he's speaking this blessing over Israel the prophet is and God spoke this message over them and he proclaims blessings on them it's powerful and what he says is part of this blessing is that you're no longer identified by the shame and Israel dealt with a lot of shame you're no longer uh, uh, identified by your disgrace, and Israel dealt with a lot of disgrace. And he says, listen, you're going to receive a, a double portion of blessing. Think about that, a, a double portion. Uh, you, know, you know, anytime you get twice as much, um, that's generally a blessing, you know? I mean, look, when I was a kid, and if I got seconds, I got a double portion, and that was a blessing, unless it was collard greens. Um, but... Uh, you understand that double portion is a blessing. When someone distributes double to you, it's a blessing. Now, again, this doesn't mean if we commit shameful or disgraceful acts that they'll be automatically erased by our life, but they can be forgiven by Jesus, and God sees us through Jesus and he sees us 
is no longer ashamed, no longer disgraced. And we can walk in that forgiveness that he gives us and no longer be identified by that. We're not identified by anything that causes us shame. So, the, so that's the old that is gone, some of the old. Let's talk about some of the new that has come. You are a child of God. You're a child of God. You're, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a son of God, you are a daughter of God, and you are beloved. I just want to read these words over you from the book of Romans. Just, just absorb these about yourself. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear Rather, again, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, to daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. So think this one through. You know, you were born physically alive but spiritually dead, but when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you became spiritually alive, and the Holy Spirit was poured into you, and so by the power of God's Spirit working in you and believing in Christ, you understand that that you have been adopted into God's family. You are his daughter. You are his son. He loves you with an everlasting love, so much so that he would do whatever it takes, even sacrifice his son on a cross so that you would not, would not, would not be separated from him. You are a beloved child of God. Beloved. You're also approved. You are approved. Say this with me. Just repeat after me. I am approved. Go ahead and say it. I am approved. God approves you. Not of what you, not necessarily everything you do, but God approves of who you are in Christ because by Christ you've been made a child of God. Listen to these words that Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians. We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Listen, he was talking about himself, but he's talking about us. We've been entrusted with the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. And God entrusts that to those he approves. You are approved. So you need to, to walk in that joy, that joy that we talked, that, uh, that the prophet Isaiah talked about in, in chapter 61. We need to walk in that joy of knowing that we're beloved children, knowing that we're approved, knowing that we're no longer ashamed, knowing that we're no longer condemned. We need to walk in that identity. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to open your bulletins and turn to your next steps. So on that, in your bulletin, we do this every week, and we challenge people to take some next steps. And this is important because if, if, if this is just head knowledge, if this is just a, a good talk, then it's not going to be effectual in our lives. But, but if it if we take 
a next step, an action. It will be. So look, here, here's the first thing that I want you to do. I want you to claim your identity in Christ. If you believed in Jesus, you are a child of God, beloved. You're not condemned. You're approved. You shouldn't be ashamed. So claim it. And we're going to have an opportunity here in a moment to, to just pray that. And I'll pray that over you. Here's the second thing we have to do. Sometimes, sometimes claiming our identity means laying down the labels that the world has spoken over us. You know, I, I thought I laid down the shame associated with Puffy. Sort of caught me by surprise this week. If I'm going to walk in my identity as a son of God, to lay down that shame. I, I got to deal with it. And so I'm going to deal with it here in just a few minutes. But here, here's the, the third thing I, I want to challenge you to do. Will you memorize 2 Corinthians 5.17? Will you? Best way for us to do that is, is to pray. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite you all to pray. I'm going to start off the prayer. I'm going to invite you to pray silently in that prayer, and then I'll close it out. So let's pray. Father God, as we come in here today, we come knowing that through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, you see us by faith as children, your children, and we are spiritually alive in Christ with you. And so, Lord, we want to claim our identity today as a child of God. And part of claiming that identity is laying down the stuff that we've held on to is, that is not from you. So we want to lay down the shame and the condemnation that we've experienced for the joy of the Lord. So Lord, right now, we're just going to take a few moments to, to turn that over to you, to claim our identity lay down our shame. Lord, hear our prayers. Father, we claim the truth that because we are in Christ by faith, we are new creations. We're your sons and your daughters. The old self that we were, the old labels, they passed away. And our new identity is here. It's come. And we want to walk in that. And we want to praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.